Ben Moore has been in love with bees for as long as anyone can remember. And as far as we can tell, the feeling is entirely mutual. Although he still sometimes feels the sting of his passion. Hang around, learn a little. It's as sweet as honey and always a buzz. It's the Ultimate Pollinators Podcast with Ben, his friends and associates, and of course, Ben's Bees. Hey everyone, Bees with Ben. Benny's back. I'm so sorry. I think I said in the last episode, back in two weeks, and two weeks turned into about three months. So my apologies. Reason why it's been absolutely hectic. Wow, what a season we've had. Uh, Melbourne, Victoria, New South Wales, especially all over Australia. It's been absolutely insane. We went from this crappy La Nina weather. And uh, how was that? She really threw some uh, rain and wind at us, didn't she? It was absolutely crazy. Went from feeding bees, which is actually part of the reason this episode is going to be really, really cool about a special feed supplement. Uh, it's a uh, called Mineral Bee, and it's got all the key minerals and trace elements found in honey and pollen. So we'll be talking to George about that because uh, obviously what we try and do is the best for the bees. And sometimes, you know what? We've got to give them a feed to keep them ticking along. As I said, you know, La Nina is terrible. But good news is El Nino is on the way. Well, good for the bees. But in saying that, El Nino, which is this sort of dry, more drought, masculine type uh, weather pattern that's going to happen, it's going to be uh, very interesting because if you look at it, we've had, you know, three years of all this rain and everything's grown and, well, there's vegetation, but, you know, the big concern is going to be bushfires. So we'll um, be doing an episode in the not-too-distant future about, obviously, uh, you know, watching, catching uh, grass fires from your smoker. So that's uh, super important. So what have I been up to? Benny, Benny's been busy. So a few things. So the start of the uh, spring, it was pretty sort of obviously hectic, keeping bees ticking along and all this rain, and it was just absolutely terrible. But then, geez, and most of us, we've gone out with a bit of a bang. You know, I mean, it's been, the bees have finished off really well. Literally this week, as I um, upload this podcast, I've just pulled off my last boxes of honey. And uh, probably more specifically, so a lot of my bees are out in the Yarra Valley. I've got them all sort of everywhere. But there's this, a special type of um, eucalyptus in the valley. It's called the mealy stringy bark. I think the uh, scientific name is eucalyptus cephalocarpa. Um, hopefully I got that right. And uh, yeah, it's a silver leaf um, stringy bark. And it was absolutely fantastic. Really poured in. So managed to pull some honey. Now, a lot of the honey I take I actually turn into honeycomb. And a lot of the stringy barks are good because they don't crystallize, you know, straight away. So now for those who little businesses and things, and I, you don't see it all that often everywhere. But I make a good little income stream of actually producing and selling honeycomb. Now, that could be a full frame of, uh, of honeycomb. So a nice, you know, beautiful new frame, wax foundation with wire. So I wholesale them for $80 each. Uh, retail is $100 each. And you may be going, Benny, geez, that's pretty, pretty hexy on the price. But I tell you now, I sell lots of them. And you think about it, you do the maths. You know, you got to uncap that, spin it, strain it, jar it. And put it in a, uh, you know, obviously on a shelf. It's actually, you know, on a monetary wise, is you know, honeycomb is a really good, 
you know, alternative to obviously selling your product. So then we can obviously, I do it in blocks. Little little trick that I do, cut it into uh, those 400 gram containers. Now, obviously when it crystallizes, it looks a bit ratty. So a little trick that I do, I've got a couple of freezers that I actually will freeze that down. Now it doesn't denature all the good stuff because it's frozen. So it's not, not a problem at all. But it actually stops that crystallization process because the biggest sales of honeycomb that we get as beekeepers is usually spring, start of spring, in the winter, start of spring, uh, especially people with hay fevers and that type of thing. So I can then pull them out, thaw them out. It only takes you know a few hours. They thaw out, and then it's beautiful, fresh honeycomb. So a little a little trick. Uh, if you if I was leaving on the shelf, it'd be crystallized. And when your honeycomb goes crystallized, it looks ratty. People don't like it because obviously it's got that sandy sort of uh, texture to it, and it's um, not as um, yeah, not as uh, not as good to actually uh, to eat. So little trick there with uh, honeycomb, and and the other thing is too, I plan on doing this, but it's just I'm sort of feel like you know when you're running bees, yeah, you're pulled in every which uh, direction. But actually putting, I've seen this online and I, I went to do it this uh, spring, but the weather was terrible and there was no good sort of major honey flows and then just got sort of hectic. But you get like a jar and you can invert it, put it over a like a board. So the bees will actually draw into those, uh, those jars, create their honeycomb, and then you can fill them up with honey. And so I plan on doing that this spring because I reckon they look sharp. I've, I've never seen them in, li- in, in life. Um, it's usually, you know, honeycomb, chunk honeycomb, I think what the Americans call it, where it goes into the jar and then filled up and you get these pieces. But I think, you know, allowing those bees, it's like artistry. It would be absolutely incredible. So little trick. And, and people would love that, you know what I mean, as a, as a gift. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be cheap, obviously, because of the time frame and actually doing it. So it wouldn't, wouldn't be cheap at all. But, you know, another little side thing little side thing to do because you know and it's fun how fun you know i mean it'll be absolutely fun so that's on the uh, agenda for this spring because we'll have some good weather now uh the other thing i've been up to and doing a lot of is actually wasps european wasps vespula germanica so um so we kill a lot of those in in around melbourne you know, they're a nasty pest and i got stung a couple of times and geez they hurt you know these things don't bother me at all but geez, they absolutely hurt. Really, really pack a punch, and um, yeah, really, oh, nasty thing. So we uh, we kill those. Other oh, city slickers don't know the difference between a European honeybee and a European wasp, which is yeah, understandable. Uh, they do obviously look different, behave different. But you know, for those who don't know, yeah, so we actually do those. So there's been lots of those now. They start this the last couple of weeks, probably for another couple more weeks. They sort of can give your bees a bit of a hard time. So. Now, having small entrances now, especially coming in the winter, so those bees can guard that entrance is super, super important. Now, the other thing is too, with European wasps, it's got a very small foraging radius, only about 150 um, metre radius. So it's very small. So uh, trying to find their nest, if you can smack out that nest, is um, definitely really good because they, they're they so invasive. They spit out, you know, I can have up to 50 queens, and you know if less than 10 percent of those survive you know i mean they actually grow exponentially and they like that warm weather so it's going to be a busy season with this uh el nino ahead anyway so that's pretty much what i've been up to and just thank you for everyone for the messages and thinking where where's you where you been so really appreciate all of those and uh got some really cool episodes coming up um soon we'll have uh, victor from hive iq talking about the um the hives that he's making here, Australian-made hives, which is an alternative to 
the license and paradise hires but aussie made and with some really cool features so got a few good episodes lined up um the guys uh simon down at Steritech, uh with gamma radiation you know what i mean so actually you know sterilizing b equipment b boxes frames so that's going to be a really cool absolute cool episode so we've got some really cool ones ahead and uh hope everyone's been well and their bees are all prepped for winter and uh, enjoy this episode with George. Oh, I'm super excited to have George on today from Mineral B. Now, you're going to detect that accent. I love Irish people and uh, some fantastic <laughs> things come out of Ireland, especially uh, Guinness. But the other fantastic thing that comes out of Ireland is Mineral B. And I've got George. Thank you so much for your time, George. Oh, you're welcome, Ben. Thank you for having us on. I'm super um, excited. Ah, great. Okay, likewise, Ben. Um, basically, would you like me to give you a background to Minerably and how we developed it? Oh, we certainly would. But before we before we jump into yep. that, we want to. Yep. Oh, I, I love the Irish accent. I love. Uh, accent. <laughs> so, so whereabouts from Ireland you're from, George? I'm from a place called Limerick. It's on the western seaboard. Um, so it's a small town. It's not a very big town, but I grew up there. Started my beekeeping career there. Started beekeeping when I was eight. And, awesome. Uh, yep. Yeah. Started. Uh, always had an interest in bees. My next door neighbour was a beekeeper, and I used to be fascinated seeing this guy uh, in his bee suit opening up the hives of bees, and he'd occasionally give us a, a old-fashioned section of honey, which is a little wooden square box that they used to uh, produce honey in back then. And um, my parents bought me a hive of bees when I was eight for my eighth birthday, and. I became interested more and more and more uh, in bees, and um, yeah, I've been a beekeeper ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, obviously, yeah. keeping bees in Ireland is a little bit different to it is. In Australia, isn't it? Yeah, it is a totally different um, ball game. Um, we get spring, which can be very late some years, very early some years, but generally uh, the bees pretty much hibernate for the winter. So come the end of October. Uh, that did the bees shut down for the winter. Uh, they get a lot of very severe storms in the winter as well. So our hives are constructed slightly different. Um, the two main types of hives you'll have in Ireland is a commercial hive and a national hive. So the bees are dealing with colder environments. But yes. uh, you can have some pretty good years. Uh, the, um, the main thing is you have to have your bees ready in the spring. Uh, for whatever comes along, and you have to have your bees ready to hibernate properly by the end of October. There's no in between. Not like Australia, where we get queens laying all year round. And like at the moment in Sydney, we have a great honey flow on. Um, that just doesn't happen in Europe. Yes, yes. Mm. It's interesting uh, talking about the the bees in Ireland. I managed to actually a few years ago now spend some time working with some beekeepers there, and and spend some time yeah. with the. The uh, the real Irish honeybee, and I tell you what, they've got a bit of bit of spunk about them. Like they've had a few too many, <laughs> <laughs> a few too many Guinnesses and <laughs> looking for a rumble. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the bees are blacker, uh, much darker, um, but they're quite black. Yes. Uh, the bees are just that little bit 
I suppose, uh, adapted to the environment more. Yes, a little bit more aggressive too. Uh, the bees here don't sting as much. Uh, the bees in Ireland will let you know when <laughs> you're working with them that they're not too happy. Um, and obviously the weather is colder, so the bees are a bit more agitated if you're opening them when the weather's that bit cooler as well. Yes. Interesting. There you go. Yeah. Now, now mineral yeah. bee. So, so sort yeah. of talk us through the, the 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 humble beginnings when you actually you know started because it didn't start off. Did it start off with uh, a supplement for bees, or because you do a few supplements for other uh, agricultural things too, don't you? We do. We started uh, initially looking into minerals and trace elements in the farming background. So my background is I grew up on a farm. Uh, obviously, the beekeeping is part of that integration of farming as well. Uh, but I started looking at really wondering from the beekeeping point of view why some bees develop and, and um, uh, overwinter better on, on honey versus bees that are just fed sugar syrup. And it, it really led me to look at the analysis of honey. And then I went, well, let's look at sugar syrup and if you look at sugar syrup there's little or no trace elements left by the time the sugar is uh, bleached and whitened so that the bees can actually use it. Uh, it started me researching and looking into the whole um, uh, area of why and how we could give something to the bees that would help them have something as good as honey uh, in their feed supplement. And, and again, back to the Irish weather, you have to feed your bees going into winter. Because yes. Absolutely no way they get sufficient stores. So slowly looked at the research, uh, developed uh, a bit of a knowledge of um, the analysis of honey, then went and had a look at the analysis of the sugar syrup and started to see the gap was just vast. There was almost little or no minerals whatsoever or trace elements in sugar. I set about trying to figure out how we could actually do something to supplement uh, the sugar syrup feed for the bees. So looked at various minerals and trace elements. Uh, a lot of these are actually synthetically produced. So we didn't want that. We wanted to keep something that would be totally natural and organic for the bees. So working with the agriculture side, we finally found that um, taking ocean minerals, and it's, it's it's, it's a reasonably complicated process of getting the minerals out of the seawater without actually destroying the minerals and trace elements. Okay. So we we don't brew the product because once you brew something, which a lot of the supplements are out there are actually brewed, once you actually brew something, the minerals and trace elements have a natural deterioration from the day they're brewed. So we wanted something that would be stable and last a long period of time, obviously, in the hives with all the winters with the bees. and It's a natural product. So what we ended up doing is developing a product from concentrated ocean minerals, um, which mirrored um, uh, honey and pollen. And that allowed our uh, bees to actually take a feed of sugar syrup or even drinking water and they had all of the essential minerals and trace elements in their uh, feed and in their drinking water. Like if you take uh, the development of the hive of bees, the biggest drawback that bees have is the lack of minerals and trace elements in pollen. So we know in the start of the year and in the end of the year, bees are collecting pollen quite heavily. Uh, obviously, the hives are growing. Uh, in the winter, they're storing pollen and honey and uh, 
they're storing that for the spring so that when the spring comes around they have a supply and they start building the economy but with with the modern agriculture our bees are going out collecting honey and pollen trying to extract the minerals and trace elements from uh, that source but we also know as beekeepers that our bees go out actively sourcing um, minerals from the groundwater puddles of water that are evaporating yes. what the bees are mm. actually doing is they're trying to source the essential minerals like copper, potassium uh, phosphorus, zinc all of these minerals, magnesium are essential for the bees health but agriculture modern agriculture uh, the minerals and trace elements are being depleted at an alarming rate in the soil so the bees are actually getting um, nectar and pollen that's in turn being depleted so that's really how we, we came about trying to do, design something that would be completely natural for the bees. Um, we developed the original uh, prototype, tried it on the bees, the bees liked it, it reacted really well for it. And then uh, we just refined it and made sure that it worked uh, across the board as much as possible um, with the level of input that the bees need, which is very little. They just need 10 mil in a litre of sugar syrup or in drinking water. And the bees love it. Yeah, it's interesting. So so you mentioned some of these trace elements. So what would be some, obviously, because there's quite a few in there. Um, yes. So what would yes. be the sort of the, the top three or maybe five, George, that would be the, top, sort of, yeah, the bees need? Yeah, magnesium is one of the big ones. Um, the next one is sodium. Okay. And then uh, phosphorus, potassium, and zinc. So if you take pollen on its own, uh, the copper, uh, phosphorus, uh, potassium, and zinc, uh, they're the ones that limit the bees the most if they're missing. And a lot of pollens are deprived of these. So you'll have some that are particularly high in sodium or some that are particularly high in potassium. But it's trying to get a balance of all of these minerals is is the uh, key. So if you look at the list of uh, minerals and trace elements that we have in there, there's everything from copper, nickel, uh, iodine, silicon, and they're all the minerals and trace elements that you find in honey. Um, so they're, they're, those ones are the key ones that are in decline um, due to agriculture and just soil really eroding and weathering. Uh, the big problem we have in Australia is it's either dry or it's wet. Yes. yes. Uh, so if it's extremely wet, you're washing out all the minerals. Uh, so the bees are not getting uh, a chance to get those minerals. And if it's dry, then they're not getting the puddles of water in the ground that they need to source those minerals and trace elements. So they're the key ones. And all of those have a, an interaction within the structure of the bee itself. Like if you take magnesium, it's used in over 300 enzymes and in the essential nutrients in DNA and RNA synthesis. So that basically means that the bee needs that to function. Interesting. So, so George, what sort of symptoms, let, let's say obviously talking about say magnesium, if there was a lack of mag, magnesium that the bees can actively uptake, what would be a symptom would see? with magnesium or even some of the other, you know, sort of essential well, uh, minerals? It's really going to go stem back to the overall health of the bee, uh, but it also stems back really to the brood production. So if they're missing any of these elements, either the queen is going to reduce her uh, laying, 
which in turn is going to lead to the colony being weaker. Um, so it, it, it all really is a, it's a complete circle. So if, if the bees aren't getting enough of the particular uh, minerals and trace elements that they're missing, their level of uh, brood production starts falling back, which in turn obviously weakens the hive, which in turn affects the crop of honey as well. Interesting. And, and now, obviously, sometimes people like you know, making a, a cake that we uh, put too much vanilla extract in or something. <laughs> what, what are the negative aspects of putting too much of a good thing? Is there any sort of negative aspects? Uh, the, the, what we've done is trial and error. So they'll reach a point uh, where the bees will go, no, this is too strong. Uh, and that's about 45 to 50 mil per litre, which is quite a lot. Okay. Uh, they'll still take it down, but they just seem to go, up. look, I've had it off of that. 10 mil seems to be the happy medium. Okay. Uh, they have absolutely no uh, hesitation with taking that quantity in. So it, it, it seems to be the right level, and it seems to match the closest we can find to the level that they would have in honey. Um, so that's where uh, you're, where the bees themselves would be at. They, they themselves, as you know, they they can sense what they're looking for, like our own human bodies can tell us if we need something uh, we're lacking in it. Yes. So they'll go to the point where they go, look, I don't need that much level of uh, It's very interesting because obviously this is not uh, sponsored. You know, I mean, I've been using your product for probably more than two years now, but we had a conversation yeah. that I said, obviously I use another great Irish product being Hive Alive. And, yeah. um, and I said, well, can I use Hive Alive? As a uh, and as long and in conjunction in the sugar syrup with uh, mineral B, and yes. and uh, and we sort of had a had a chat about that, and the answer was yes. And I'll tell you now for the listeners, you just mentioned before about the whole um, uh, obviously with the brood and the queen laying eggs. It mm-hmm. was amazing for me to see a couple of years ago when obviously this terrible weather conditions, spring rain, it was just crap weather. And I had to feed my bees to keep them all sparky and, and looking good. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, I reckon me bees were doing better if they were on some amazing plethora of uh, flowers and brood from left to right, up to down. So it was absolutely incredible. So for listeners, to, you're using conjunction. Um, okay. Yeah. And, and that's, it was absolutely amazing. Where I even noticed the difference that, you know, I, I buy the 10-litre bottles off you, which is yep. really economical for the listeners. It's, yep. um, you know, and I'm going to put it in the show notes, the website, mineralbee.com.au, so everyone wants to order the product because I believe you have free shipping. Is that right? Yes. Your free shipping? So, yep. yeah. Um, yep. And uh, so, yeah, so so do try this product because it is absolutely amazing. And I, I actually tried it without Hive Alive, so just Mineral Bee, fantastic. And I've tried both, and I've tried just Hive Alive. But in conjunction, I'll tell you what, the bees were just, they were spunky, they were sharp. They had that that shine to them. And I know it seems a bit crazy, but it's but they did. They looked shiny, and they just was happy and, you know, healthy, disease-free bees. But so so on the subject, so you mentioned obviously 10 mil of mineral bee to um, yeah. a litre of... One litre. One litre of syrup. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. You, or water. Yeah, or, or water. Okay, so or yeah. water. So is that for someone, say, in a dry conditions, they can put water out for their bees? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So the bees are actively sourcing the minerals and trace elements from the water. That's why people with magnesium pools find bees going in there because they're trying to get minerals from the water in, in the magnesium pools as well. So they're actively sourcing the minerals that they're particularly short on. So if you have 
a particularly strong pollen and honey coming into pine sodium, but they're uh, short in potassium. So they're out looking for potassium or they're out looking for magnesium. They're out looking for calcium. They're, they're looking for the various minerals that they're short all the time. Interesting. It's funny you say that because I've seen, and I know a lot of uh, beekeepers may have seen it if you're out in the country and sometimes, you know, you've got a, uh, a fresh cow patty turd <laughs> on the ground and you actually see the bees, you know, like literally drinking the water from that, um, from that cow, mm. um, that cow mm-hmm. poo, you know what I mean? Actually, and that's, as you just mentioned, actually actively looking for a trace, um, a trace element. And, and also yeah. too, George, you can, so you can actually incorporate that into a pollen patty too? Yes. Uh, again, it's the same uh, one litre equals one kilo, basically, is the, is the way to look at it. So if you're make, mixing up a kilo, you can mix it through your pollen patty and just put it on the hive. Interesting. Absolutely incredible. And so so with now how long have we sort of probably gone back a little step here? Yeah. Um, so Mineral B, as the, as the company, how long have you, have you been in business for? Yeah, we it, it took about five years to develop it properly. Um, so we started, um, we developed it when we were in Ireland, but we actually didn't launch it officially till we actually moved back to Australia. So we've been over in Ireland for work for a couple of years, and then we moved back to Australia. So we start we launched that just over three years ago now, officially. And um, currently, we have production here in Australia, in Ireland, and in the UK. So we've just started to export uh, more, expand our European base as well. That's fantastic to actually see it sort of being um, being launched globally. So that's that's brilliant. And so, yeah. and you're you're based in is it New South Wales, George? Yes, we're based uh, on actually in a beautiful northern beaches in Sydney. Ah, beautiful. That's a, yeah. That's a contrast to uh, Limerick in uh, Ireland. It's <laughs> big contrast. <laughs> it's a it's a totally different way of living. Yeah, you know, it's such an amazing country. I get up here, thank God, every day for such a beautiful environment. It's just such an amazing place to live. It is. And winter here is just like summer back in Ireland. <laughs> that's a good way of <laughs> good way. Of, what about the sun? Is uh, how do you go? Love the sun? the sun. Love the sun. Love the sun. Love the sun. Can't get enough of it. Uh, Absolutely love it. And yeah. and George, what about any – so we've got the mineral bee. Is there any other products yeah. that you're developing for bees or any uh, for any agri- other agricultural animals? Uh, agriculture, we've developed a plant food. Um, and again, that's back to the whole minerals and trace elements. So a lot of people would be aware that uh, apples, say, for example, don't taste like they used to anymore. So if you take an apple, uh, now it may not be 100% accurate on the quantity of apples, but it, there, there is a huge amount of research out there that goes, like 1960, if you ate an apple, to get the same minerals and trace elements from that apple today, you have to eat something between 14 and 16 apples. Oh, wow. Um, some of the minerals in, in our soil that the uh, World Health Organization are actually becoming quite concerned about are depleting at such a rate that we, we'll be basically eating bulk there won't be any food value uh in in our food if they don't do something to enhance the natural value of the soil so the soil has been depleted uh to intensive farming and and the lack of natural organic products going into the soil um and this is what's having a knock-on effect so this is how i've ended up in this area really is by researching uh what's happening to bees 
And coming back to bees, in America, uh, there's papers now starting to emerge where they're showing that uh, some of the colonies that are collapsing with food, uh, plenty of stores, are, they're looking at it and going, why is this happening? And, and some of the research is now pointing to the fact that the bees are actually malnourished even though they have food. Interesting. And, and okay. It's, it's very, very concerning from the insect point of view, the plant, and us as humans, that all of these minerals and trace elements are just so interlinked. Um, I, I, we need only be missing a tiny quantity of one for the rest to have a problem. So as I said before, we, I grew up in a farm. Uh, we used to grow turnips, suede. Yes. Uh, and in Limerick, uh, it's particularly short of boron. But if you grow turnips without adding some to the soil, the turnip grows perfectly well. But when you cut it in half, it's hollow in the middle. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it's just an outer shell. But you add a tiny amount to an acre of ground and you just spray on the boron uh, dissolved, your turnip grows perfect. Yeah, interesting. But, Something so small. So this is what's happening. Yeah. yeah, so this is what's happening with the bees as well. The bees are actually also suffering the same fate because they're not getting a balanced uh, availability of the minerals and trace elements as our humans. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, something so small like the boron and then and the turnips just, yep. yeah, are just um, are hollow. Yep. Um, there, yeah, there's a little graph that people, if they have a chance to have a look at, it's called the Liebig spiral. And, and that's basically a scientist in, in the agriculture field where he looked at uh, minerals and trace elements. And he said, basically, it's like having a barrel, but you put a little hole three quarter ways down, and that mineral is missing at that point the barrel empties all the way back to that point. So it's a bit, really, it's a, it's a very clear way of seeing that without all the little bits, the barrel doesn't operate properly. Well, absolutely fascinating. And um, now conferences, last question, George. So yes. you go to some of these the beekeeping conferences. You got anything yes. coming up? You'll be, got a stall there people can uh, No, not at the moment. We were hoping to get to the one in Europe, but COVID didn't really uh, help that one. Yep. Um, so we haven't anything planned just at the moment for the next couple of months but yeah okay cool because i saw you i met right, you face to face that was the one in um where was that sydney, that was sydney. yeah that's right that was sydney yeah. so yeah. so uh yeah that's no, awesome so once again i'll put your website mineralb.com.au in the show notes people check it out as i said um it's not a sponsored at all you know i've been using this for nope. a, over a couple of years now and great results to actually try that this product is absolutely you, amazing and um now it's been fantastic george really appreciate your uh, your time and uh look forward to seeing you uh at the next conference uh in the not too distant future Thank you, Ben. Appreciate it. And if anybody has any questions, please feel free to jump on the website and send us any questions. I'm more than willing to talk to you. Awesome. Fantastic. You take care and uh, enjoy that beautiful enjoy that beautiful weather. <laughs> I will do. Thank you, Ben. Take care. Thanks, George. Take care. Take care. Bye, Bye Matt. How fantastic was that episode? And it was uh, really cool. Thank you so much for your time, George. What was interesting as well, uh, just off air, we just sort of touched base on talking about the V word with George and uh, Varroa. He was saying he's um, in the purple zone, 15 minutes away is the uh, drive is the red zone. So anyway, we're having a yarn about that. And obviously, oh, Varroa, 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 Varroa. Interesting. Now, I'll get a, my hats off to... All the workers 
the um, DPI, RBIC, I'm going to hats off to them, the volunteers especially working, doing their best that they can to actually try and control VRAR. So that's very important to know. Hats off to them. They're doing their absolute best. Now, obviously, you know, there's been quite a few. I think last I looked, there's over 152 sites, confirmed sites. So over 20,000 hives have been euthanized. But the general consensus with beekeepers, are they doing the right thing? Are they doing the right thing? So we're going to look at it. Australia, what has it been um, over 200 years since we've had the uh, European honeybees here? It's only... You know, last year, I think June, July, the Varroa have come to our shores where it's quite spread. Um, Beekeepers very opinionated on it all. But obviously Australia, we're the last continent to actually have Varroa mites. So my two cents on it, my opinion. Now, don't think my opinion's right. It is just a mere opinion. Now, I think what we need to do is let's, you know, stop maybe the killing you know, the euthanizing of hives. I understand why they're doing it because they're trying to control it. But let's look at going, okay, it's education. You know what I mean? Educating people how to manage a varroa. Because every other country, every other continent has varroa. They do it. You know what I mean? We can do it as well. We can manage the bees with varroa. So it's super, super important, you know what I mean, to actually think about that. Because it's going to spread. Now, we look at, obviously, the platforms that's happening with controlling the varroa is, you know, that's based upon everyone doing the right thing. Everyone doing the right thing. But we know humans, humans don't do the right thing. I mean, there's could be that one person out of a million who does the wrong thing. Does the wrong, and, that, and you know what? Let's not throw rocks at them. They may do the wrong thing not knowing. They may not have social media. It may not have, have the internet. It may not have that. But, you know what I mean? That's based upon everyone doing the right thing. So looking at that, let's use COVID as an analogy. Now, during that, in Melbourne, you know, Melbourne was the most locked down uh, city in the world. How many people were doing the wrong thing? If anyone was following it, and uh, there was a security guard, if you remember that, was doing the wrong thing. Spread right. There's a couple of party girls who went across the border, they did the wrong thing. Knowing very well what they were doing, but they'd done the wrong thing. So that's probably going to be the issue, how it's going to spread. You know what I mean? So there's doing that. Obviously using fipronol poisoning baiting to kill feral hives, good. But what about the negative impact on other species? You know what I mean? Native bees, they're going to take up some of the uh, carbohydrate sugary substance. They're going to die. So we're going to see a very change in the landscape. So my opinion is maybe we need to start shift our focus from killing hives, trying to control it. Because you just got to look on the map. You know what I mean? Me, I'm no scientist. You know what I mean? I'm just a humble beekeeper. But it is spreading and it's spread. It's been here for quite some time. So are there are other areas, you know what I mean, where it's there and it's, has, you know what I mean, it may just be feral hives. So... And obviously the big thing is what's coming up is um, almond pollination. What's going to happen there? You know what I mean? So then it's obviously, you know, possibly in South Australia, possibly in Victoria. So anyway, but I've got to really super emphasize, you know, hats off to everyone 
who's working, trying to control it. They're trying to do the right thing. So hats off to them. But anyway, that's just my two cents on that. And anyway, thank you once again to all the listeners and uh, Benny's back. I've got some awesome episodes uh, coming up. So um, thank you so much for everyone's patience. And until the next episode, take care of yourself, take care of each other and take care of those bees. Bye for now.